better to recovery, not a rescue. Meteorologists say the last time low temperatures broke minus 30. When they find you, ask for Henry Deaver. Can you hear me? Have we checked out his ears? Welcome, everybody, to the Castle Rock Historical Society. I'm Acadia Einstein from Strangeful Things, along with my co-investigator, Hannah Selector, from Undead Airlock. How you doing, Hannah? I'm great. How are you? I am super um, asthmatic because I'm down in the basement of the Historical Society of you, pulling out musty books and doing that whole thing where all the dust billows off because we are really confusing everybody because we're doing a show before the episode even drops yeah and there are a lot of spider webs down here in the uh the archives the stacks and the basement stacks and we're we're still we're calling that a working title because um it like Usually on Wednesdays, the Historical Society meets, but then there's also an AA meeting on Fridays, and that's <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of a multi-purpose room here in the town. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I think what we're trying to do with this is, since we're three episodes in, kind of do a little bit of a checkpoint, because there's, this is Tuesday, there's going to be a new episode tomorrow, and we are sort of excited. Well, I'm super excited about Hannah's hat that you can't see, um, but ah. we have super branded merch. Um, it's oh, one yeah. of a kind, though. I slapped it would, a sticker on it. Yeah, well, you know what? It's priceless. It would cost $1 million for you to buy it, and it would be sight unseen. Worth it. <laughs> so um, just hit us up at uh, castlerockhistorical at gmail.com if you want to make an offer. Um, but we I'll maybe throw a picture up on Twitter yeah, of what see? the hat looks like. That's that's good marketing. See? That's see that's the kind of conglomerate we're running here, folks. We get this this free exchange of ideas. Um oh, and yeah. I guess some of them are even about the show. Um, mm-hmm. So what we've kind of discussed is maybe every three episodes doing this sort of um return to the content here sort of stepping into the basement, if you will. And if you've got suggestions for what you might call uh, this little segment here that's going to take place every few episodes, we'd love to hear them because, uh, you know, we're open to new ideas (laughs) and we're not doing so hot with the clever names. Um, And we're going to... We've ruminated, we've marinated, and now we've got all sorts of new crazy questions and thoughts. I think we've both done some reading of what other people think and... um, now we're just going to lay it all out there and hope that some of our questions get answered in episode four tomorrow. Yeah. And we also, big news, we got an email. So we know that the email works. And if you have anything that you want to let us know, I mentioned it before, but I'll mention it throughout the show. Um, CastleRockHistorical at gmail.com. We guarantee that we will reply to all the emails even if we're startled at first that one came in. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, We got asked about what our thoughts may be on the story's connection to the devil and Daniel Webster might be, or how that work might have informed it. Now, I replied that email um, cheerfully. I'm on it, even though Acadia is the one who actually went and reread The Devil and Daniel Webster. So, Acadia, what thoughts do you have on how the devil and Daniel Webster might be informing the Castle Rock plot. Well, first of all, I will point out one little main tidbit because I just think it's super interesting because one of the things that Daniel Webster name drops in the story is that he's working on the Missouri Compromise. Why does Mm -hmm. the Missouri Compromise matter? Because that's how Maine became a state. The Ah. compromise was Maine was admitted as a free state in order to allow Missouri in as a slave state. So during the course of the Devil and Daniel Webster, they talk about Massachusetts and New Hampshire, and they're very pro-New Hampshire and anti-everything else. Maine is not even mentioned because at the time the story was written, Maine was part of Massachusetts. 
Ah. So that's why we have undying enmity towards Massachusetts. Um, but beyond that, yay, Missouri compromise, because otherwise it wouldn't be a state. And The Devil and Daniel Webster was about a guy named Jabez Stone, who was super down on his luck, and he was like, I'm sick of this shit. I would sell my soul for two cents, which mm. I think in those days was the equivalent of $40,000. But <laughs> so the devil shows up, writes a contract, all the stuff that you think the stereotypical deal with the devil thing is going to be. Right. As time goes on, the guy starts to get worried about the fact that the devil's going to come and take his soul back. And. He finally gets the services of one Daniel Webster, who's like the coolest guy, and everybody loves him, and he's so smart, and he's the best lawyer ever, and blah 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 But he was also from New Hampshire, and like the whole thing was basically, well, this guy will definitely take my case, because I'm from New Hampshire, and so is he. And he did. And the devil yeah. said, okay, well, if you want a trial, you'll get one. And he got, like, 12 terrible jurors that were all evil. During the course of the arguments, you know, Daniel Webster is trying to convince the devil that the contract was void and blah, blah, blah. But you know how that goes. And the devil's all like, nope, it's all here in black and white and blood. And Mm -hmm. then he says, well... Which isn't black and white. Blood is red. Fair. Yeah, but it was olden times, so who knows. Uh, Then... Right. (laughs) So then I think one of the things that the the person writing in was referring to is that there's a large piece of the story about how the devil is American. And I thought it was mm-hmm. fascinating because he's saying, well, there's a thing in the Constitution that we can't, you know, we don't have to do, we can't sign contracts with foreigners or whatever like that. We don't, you know, foreign princes. And the devil goes on this long thing basically listing all the a bunch of horrible stuff that's happened in america and saying do you think i wasn't there when this happened do you think i wasn't there when all these things i'm as american as apple pie and so then there's a jury trial and they kind of fudge the story at the end the gist of it is daniel webster make such an eloquent argument that everybody is human blah 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 that he swayed the evil jury and the the judge was the judge from the salem witch trials that never changed his mind which i thought was funny mm-hmm. like he was the one that was like <laughs> ah, they're still witches and so long story so short that's all very interesting yeah and there's obviously some kind of devil in castle rock it's obviously yes. an american story what do you Henry think about Deaver is a lawyer yep and so he was called in. Is he? Yeah. Is he the Mr. Stone of that situation? Um, even though it seems like, according to Castle Rock so far, the kid is the devil or Mr. Scratch. So, unless we're misunderstanding or being made to think that the people that are supposedly evil are really not. It's definitely possible. I'm... It is. It is. And the um, there's a couple of things that I think we'll talk about today that I've been rethinking um, about Lacey especially, and then about Reverend Deaver's church and what that might be rather than a church in the sense that we assume a church would act, you know? Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's a really great thing, Jen, that you sent us about uh, the devil and Daniel Webster. It's a cool little story. It's certainly got some undeniable parallels. Oh, the weird kid jury trial thing and bandaged people as a sort of committee that's judging uh, Molly as a sinner in the church in episode three in her little vision or dream or whatever. There's definitely some some parallels. I'm counting that. It's funny that you mentioned that, Hannah, because I'm counting that as a doy against myself because uh-huh. I watched that entire weird, by the way, the kid, the monkey mask, totally the best mm-hmm. mask. That was the oh, best, yeah. way, like, I would I would wear it. Uh, the, the fact that the kid knew she was guilty and it wasn't mm-hmm. a dream completely went over my head. It yeah. wasn't just that they were going, oh, yeah, well, there's someone new here and we're going to say they're guilty. They knew she was guilty because that had happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they mm-hmm. knew stuff they shouldn't have known. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It really did sync up too well. Yeah. Like who are, who are these freaking kids? I know. And you why know? why do monkey masks give you special powers? And how do yeah. I get one? Hmm. It's good. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. Mm. I'm doing a thinky pose, but it puts my hand over my mouth, so I have to stop <laughs> doing that. Wait. Um There really should be a video element to this because we're just I know. charming as all heck. And when she says, Oh, I, I was, was drinking my soda, what she means is she was drinking from her wheelbarrow sized soda cup. Oh good lord, yeah. It's one of those like McDonald's has a, a whole gallon for a dollar things mm-hmm. that I get on my way home from work. It's bad for you, don't do it. Soda's a terrible, <laughs> terrible addiction. I saw one of the teeth fall out and she just put it back. What a trooper. I'm actually undead. You know, it's a huge problem. Okay, so I have a Castle Rock notebook. You guys have probably heard us casually discussing this as we've done this. It's almost full now. I'm on the last page, and Jason picked me out a new Castle Rock notebook. It has pineapples on it. Aww. Yeah. So I wrote down questions at the end of episode three and some more questions while... (laughs) I was watching these things again. So, Acadia, you brought up the possible chess pieces um, from Shawshank. And yes. I thought that was a great thought. So then I was thinking to myself, what did Andy Dufresne carve these chess pieces from? Is it possible that these are the chess pieces from Shawshank? So I looked it up. Soapstone and alabaster. Soapstone didn't seem right because these things look mostly white, but alabaster would definitely fit. And then I was thinking about the shapes. The one that Henry was holding in his hand was small and it looked like a man. It actually kind of looked like Pangborn, in my (laughs) opinion. Like a little sheriff guy. Right. Um, And then, let's see here. Oh, and then the one that was in his mom's fridge was clearly a king. Right. Of some sort. It looked like a monarch or like a ruler. Um, so let's see here. There's that imagery of is Henry a pawn in mm-hmm. something? Because that smaller piece could be a pawn. And then the king in his mother's house, but more importantly, what was his father's house? Yep. Is he an important figure in some sort of game, some sort of chess game? Now, if they're not chess pieces, Ouch, I hit my knee. If they're not chess pieces, then there have been people on the Castle Rock Reddit, which I'm lurking faithfully now, Mm -hmm. um, who have suggested that there's some sort of religious talisman or, like, iconography of a saint or something like that. The one that Henry was holding, I thought, definitely didn't look like that. But what do you think? It it did not occur to me that it was... a chess piece or anything like that when I first saw it in Henry's hand. It looked like like a cut rate. It kind of, to me, seemed like a, a really chintzy kind of army man. Like, it, yeah. that didn't have arms that stuck out or anything like that. It might have been like the crappiest army man, the radar minesweeper guy. Um, and Or it, almost like a, a cylinder. It was definitely a human figure, and he was grabbing it so tight the thing that I was trying to figure out was, could it possibly have belonged to the same set, say? And the only way I think right. we would know that is if we could have seen the base. And I could not make out the base of the figure in his hand. Right. And it didn't look like exactly the same material No. between the two. The one that he was holding was like pure white and looked super new. Um, the one in the fridge was kind of worn had like a black patina in some spot. Not mm-hmm. patina is probably not the right word, but it definitely looked older and it was much bigger. Now, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't part of the same set. I was half expecting to see one on Lacey's desk when I re-watched, rewatched because of all the other religious iconography he had all over his desk, but True. I didn't see a little white figurine on Lacey's desk. You know, you just reminded me of something. I got some other feedback from somebody um, about our belief, our 100% true belief that having Q-tips on one's desk is super gnarly. Um, mm-hmm. That person said, you know, you can use Q-tips for bunches of things like cleaning guns or that kind of thing, or maybe cleaning the black patina off of chess pieces and stuff. Because it wasn't like there was any yeah. ear scudge on it. I'm still calling right. it gross, 
However, mm-hmm. maybe Lacey had other stuff going on. Your desk is not the place to clean things. Unless the unless the thing you're cleaning is right next to the thing you're cleaning it with, people are not going to make that connection. Right. That's what exactly. I say. <laughs> so, and then if those were chess pieces, were they the same set that Andy Dufresne carved? Would Warden Lacey have been the one who gave that thing to Henry then? Because, you know, if they were carved for Warden Norton back in Shawshank, maybe they'd still be in Lacey's office once. I bet they would have um, been because they probably didn't yeah. clean it out. Right. And then Lacey would have, like, inherited those chess pieces by default. So it's still possible that what Henry has could be part of that set. And then maybe the thing in the fridge was something else. Well, if we're going to agree that the the capturing of the kid and the disappearance of Henry are related not just in mm-hmm. time but one caused the other or or they're 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 intertwined they they didn't just happen to be two things that occurred at the same time uh, right then it's possible that Henry for some part of the 11 days was in the prison yeah because he had to have been somewhere. That's what I was thinking too, if that's the connection. So I think that's neat. That's possibly a, a lead. I wonder well, if the writers of this show had any idea how far people would run with potential. Honestly, I gotta say, I bet they hoped that they yeah. would, you know, because the homages they did and. Right. I'm going to get to the 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 major doy. The only the only thing that's made that I know of that's made Hannah and I both sad, sad at our own not noticing was something that I heard on another show made by some mm-hmm. Brits and credit where credit is due. They found a parallel that oh my goodness, hard to believe that it escaped me, and it kind of made me want to read the book again. It was the gazebo that was specifically pointed out by Jackie Torrance. What's that right. thing? Oh, it's a gazebo. What's a gazebo? Blah, That's blah, for blah. peaceful contemplation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you happen to be in Castle Rock when Frank Dodd does his first murder on a gazebo. And, Ugh, I'm so mad we missed that. Right? So and the peaceful contemplation part threw me off. Yes. It's a nice gazebo. Why yes. would I think about a murder gazebo? No one no one would have jumped to murder. That's not fair. But it was a great catch. It's called Fan Critical. Fan Critical. It, it was some okay. Brits. Their show is called Fan Critical. Fun group and uh, super credit to the to the gal who picked it out. She actually noted she was the only person that got it like nobody on the internet was talking about it she was the one that dropped it so kudos to her good for her and that ties to me that ties the dead zone a heck of a lot closer to this particular story because going back to the fact that johnny smith would see people and then see what was going to happen if he touched somebody he could see what was going to happen which is mm-hmm. that was what his power was. We've got right. a lot of different can you see the future or I can feel what you're feeling. And I keep going back to the fact that um, Molly clenched her fist first. Right. So did she do it because she has like Johnny's power, but it's like a really discount version where she could only see like five seconds into the future for that person. Uh, right. But whatever it is, the, the fact that that power existed and it started in Castle Rock, I think is going to come back a bunch hmm. of times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I want to know, like, did she compel him to clench his fist or was she preempting it? You that's, know, that's There's... a huge piece for me. If I had a cool notebook, well, I do have a cool notebook, but it just has endless tick marks of, of things that I edited out of the show and then other question marks that I want to refer back to. But if I had a cool notebook like yours, it would be filled with, just like I did for Lost, here are questions that someone better answer or else I'm going to be mad. 
Oh, yeah. That's why I'm holding this, too, because I might have to write a strongly worded letter to somebody after the show and they don't tell me what they're supposed to tell me, you know. May also someday be entered as evidence. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Either for you or against you. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Looking at you, J.J. Abrams. Got a bad track record. That's right. With uh, unanswered questions there. So another thing that I have been thinking about in rewatching the show is the church that Reverend Deaver helmed. It is not the same church as Reverend Rose's from Needful Things, because that's a Baptist church or whatever. This is called the Church of the Incarnation, and they've Mm. only said that once. They said it on the radio when someone was flipping through in a flashback. Right. Um, So I'm thinking the Church of the Incarnation is maybe a bit more of a cult than it is just an innocent little small town church that the membership is up to something, or at least some of the membership is up to something. Um, And then I got to some even more crazy thinking of like, is are you new to the incarnation? Like a code question to know if somebody's part of the, Oh crap. The cult or whatever. Um, like the kind of things that spies say when they sit down on park benches and like, right, right. The, the tuna fish was delicious today. And the person replies, I also like paintings. And then, you know, they're the spy. Right. Exactly. The, the crow flies at dawn, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of deal. Um, so is the cult called the incarnation? You know, what, what's the deal with that? Um, also the incarnation and- of what? Holy crap. Right, exactly. Because that's like the physical form or one physical form of some being, you know? What wow. What is the incarnation? The incarnation of what being? Oh, man, there's so many ways they can go with this. So, yeah. What church? Did Pangborn go to this church? We know Lacey did. And that right. informed, that's got to inform his actions somehow. Even though he wasn't... Now, we know he wasn't attending church when the new guy took over, but was he attending church when Deaver was there? You know, because Deaver seems to have been part of that cultish thing. So then when they when they had the meeting about, you know, this is we're all going to go pray with these prisoners and, and we're going to divvy them up and everything like that. That guy was Church of the Incarnation, the new guy? Yeah, I think that's that church because that's what reverend deaver's church was he was the head of the church of the incarnation that's what they said on the radio when they were talking about um henry being missing so i assume that that's the continuation of that church so then that's the same guy that i'm not the same guy but it's the same congregation right and they're doing community outreach in the prison Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hmm. because they say that thing about Lacey believing in redemption what is redemption to these people is it something perverse and then the the new minister guy said something about when he met henry it's so he was so excited to like see redemption in the flesh or something like that almost like you know is henry the thing that everybody is like waiting for i don't know it's just they're seeming real culty i just get a culty feeling i've got cult vibes you know i gotta tell you mm-hmm. i was i think it was episode one the first the first show we did and i was trying to remember the name of the 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 story but the name of the story was actually jerusalem's lot not salem's lot jerusalem's lot was the story told in letters it was a it was a cthulhu mythos story about uh, this guy in Maine who's writing letters to his friend, and they're going to this. They go to this old church, and it turns out that it's a Cthulhu church, and just like every Cthulhu story, something goes wrong, and this horrible beast, you know, erupts out of the earth and eats a star and that kind of thing. Now, yeah, they talk about the 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 towns in Maine the Stephen King towns in Maine that are important and they always say they certainly always say Derry and Castle Rock they throw in Salem's Lot but I think it's because that was the only book that was actually named after a place 
They right. rarely, if ever, mention Haven, although we're going to get to Haven mm. when I drop the one thing that I think I found. And the... Oh, yeah. And I've got another town to throw into the mix, too, that I think was mentioned that we didn't cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, the, the reason I bring up the... You've said cult. Mm-hmm. I thought about cult, thought about incarnation, etc. Stephen King has written a few Cthulhu stories. Oh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. Jerusalem's Lot is one of them. Uh, Grandma right. is the the one that I always remember the the most clearly because it's just... I don't know if you ever read it. It was... Um, it was about this kid left alone with his grandma, the, the grandma who was sick, and then she starts yeah. like going Nyarlathotep and like saying a bunch of spells and freaking him out mm-hmm. and everything like that. That there's a good uh, Netflix movie based on that story. Oh it's no, kidding! Called um, shoot, I'll figure out what it's called. Well, I know what I'm gonna do after this. Then, oh wait, yeah. I'm gonna cut this show. But after that. <laughs> It actually, it wasn't a Netflix movie. It was just a movie that was on Netflix. It's called Mercy. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I like Mm -hmm. that. And it was based on that short story. Yeah. So I believe I'm going to give it, and and there's got to be some way that we can can process these things. And I'm going to do it with odds. I'm going to say right now that there is a 40% chance there's Cthulhu underneath. And not it doesn't have to necessarily be Cthulhu, but I'm saying like some old god type of thing. Because if you think about King and you think about the turtle and you think about everything that was underneath the tower and all that kind of stuff, he's an old mm-hmm. gods kind of guy, right? You know, right? And and I would say that that he probably would consider himself a bit of a, a spiritual successor to Lovecraft. You know, mm-hmm. at least in that respect, and Durlith and and those kind of folk, and I don't have any issue whatsoever believing that the old gods could live in the King universe, and that the tower ruled them like it ruled everything else. Sure, maybe there's an old god under the ice that's, doing the monstrous howling. There's, man, that's the like hat that's going to make us rich. I know. So, cult, Church of Incarnation, the fact that it was called Incarnation is a little too, you know, you're the ex-incarnate. We're going to, you know, make you real. Right. That's, uh, it, uh, if anything, it might be a little bit too much on the nose. Hmm. Maybe. But, you know, no. They'll, they're, I'm, I'm trusting them with it. So, good call on the, the calling it a cult. What the cult ends up doing, I'm very excited. Yeah, to find that it. would be that'll be interesting. Shoot, I just lost my train of thought. That's all right. That's what editing's Let's, for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like looking at my notes here. I can yeah. always do so, my Haven Green Lights thing if you want. If you want time to think. Oh yeah, we went back and watched Lacey's suicide again, and we Acadia noticed a green light and then told me to look at it, so I noticed it too. There is, and I. I don't think it's lens flare. I don't nope. think it's something unintentional. So yeah, because I didn't watch Haven. So you're going to have to tell me about the green lights in Haven. I only know about the green light in Great Gatsby. And I don't think that's no, it's probably into not this very that. much. Daisy. So the green light in the window, he looks at the, mm-hmm. the dog comes up over the ridge there. F- fresh right. from playing with somebody else's head. Maybe he sees maybe. that big woofer and then he, recognizes it and i was looking at him at that point because i was trying to the reason i was re-watching that that scene closely was because i wanted to see what his eyes were doing was he you know happy to see the dog or sad or right. resigned or whatever and then yeah because he did notice the dog absolutely sure. but then there was this green light reflected in the window and it wasn't foliage because i actually i completely nerded it up missed my train Completely oh, yeah. missed my train going to work because I was too busy, you Poor know, you. fast forwarding and rewinding. Now the cat was sick too, so that was the, really the other oh, no. reason. But yeah, yeah, he's old. But so he got better. But so while I was doing it, I was thinking, where have there been green lights? And 
the one story that had green lights that I know for a fact was the Tommyknockers. And the green lights there signified that stuff was going on. And honestly, the Tommyknocker is not my favorite story, but it's set in yeah. Haven. Okay. And yeah, there's the alien landing in that one. Mm-hmm. Right. And just there's saying right now, I hate aliens. Don't think they're scary. <laughs> That's the opposite in our household. Jason is terrified of aliens, oh. probably because he thinks they're real. Yeah. Then there is a documentary on Netflix he definitely should not watch because mm. it freaks me Oh, is it that out. one with the the metal findings and everybody? No, it's... Uh, it's oh, okay, it's, that one was really dumb. Don't th- watch it's, it. This is the one where the alien's actually in the guy's house. Like, he, it's like, oh, this is the most documented alien cases in history, and he's, like, chasing the UFO down the street, and then there's, there's a scene in that that freaked me out to, I'm freaked out now just thinking about it. To bring this all back to are there aliens and what do they have to do with the story, etc., etc., etc. Right. Lacey was looking at the dog. Mm-hmm. They never showed the dog again, but right. they showed the green light. Mm-hmm. Was the dog a oh. manifestation? Is the dog the alien and it's just taken on right. some thing? Is there... Or whatever was making the dog. Did the dog do something that made the light? Because I'm not going to completely say that the only thing that could create a green light is an alien. But I am going to say that it was definitely a green light. Not an accident. Not a reflection of a leaf. Not anything like that. This was a thing that Lacey saw. And it did not surprise or shock him. No. He he seemed very resigned to this. This was like... This was inevitable. This was going to happen. Yep. So, and... Oh, and I've got stuff about that, too. Oh. Um, so I noticed the green light. And then I also noticed, I think it's in the second episode, when he goes down to talk to the kids saying that stuff about when they find you, ask for Henry Deaver. Right. I felt like I saw his pupils flickering with some sort of silvery blue really? light or something. Now, was it like lighting on the set i i don't think so and then when the dog is digging up the head i thought i saw that the eyes were still open and there was still sort of a silvery kind of something in the pupils well that's exciting now i kind of want to yeah make a post about all the different views of of terry o'quinn's head and what's up with the lights coming out of it (laughs) I would do that. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe people disagree. I I definitely think I saw something in his eyes, though. It wasn't green. It was like a silvery blue. But what I feel like, there was a quote in um, episode two where Lacey said, only a few others know those terrible things we did for our town. And then something about evil catching up to people. Evil outlasts everyone. So I think it outlasted Lacey. It finally beat him. It maybe took him over quote, quote, and then he had to get out. This was the only solution he saw to, because he couldn't, he couldn't outlast the evil. I don't know. I mean... Because I felt like he so strongly believed that he was protecting this town, that it was his mission. Why would he commit suicide unless he was somehow endangering the town, maybe by continuing to be alive, or he was susceptible to something that was endangering the town? Because, I mean, he believed God told him or whatever. If God told him to keep the kid in that cage. Yeah. And we know that all of these events occurred around the same time that he got the the kid. It's, you know, when Henry disappeared. The thing we don't know, there has to be an event and it can't just be his retirement. Or maybe it is just his retirement. Maybe, could it be as simple as... I can't watch him anymore. No one's going to believe me. I right. can't. There's no way for me to get him out of here or right. to keep him imprisoned. This is all coming to an end. The best I could do was 27 years. Right. Oh, and a thing about the cage. I had this thought. <laughs> um, now, do you remember when uh, Zaleski was saying, were you wandering around here at night? You know, because he saw the kid outside the cage. Yep. 
what if that what if that cage is a special material and the kid can move around the shawshank cells aren't made of the same stuff what if it's like iron or something you know how in folklore iron yeah. contains like fey beings or witches or yeah supernatural. yeah yeah and it would say why it was necessary for Lacey to build some sort of special cage rather than like, duh, you're the warden of a prison. Yeah, Just you're already put in somebody the jail. in the prison in an old water tank or whatever. But yeah, I, maybe the cage is made of a special material. And that's the only thing that holds whatever in. That's very, um, very... Not only now, it had to be made of the right thing and it had to be placed in the right place. Right. This is very Noah's Arkish, because Noah got very explicit down to the cubit instructions on what he was supposed oh, yeah. to be doing. So if that's the case, then I mean the jig was up. If we think about it from a from a purely human standpoint, let's forget the fact that Lacey believed that he was really you know protecting the town from all evil, etc. Except for you know Henry's father dying, unless. That was part of the protection. Maybe one of the things that had to happen to keep things protected was get rid of Henry's father. Yeah. Hmm. Then he realized, well, now I got to retire. People are going right. to find it. But no, why would they? That doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't wash either. Because why would immediately people no. go? Must have been the warden. Because right. you know what I mean. Like one more thing. One more thing. You remember when they first go down, they see those footprints in the dust, and he's like, someone's been down here. Yes. That was clearly a trail of, like, flour. True. Like, the second time I watched it, they he was trying to lead someone there. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think it was necessarily his retirement that forced him to have to surrender in this way. I just... That evil outpaces us all line makes me think that he wasn't strong enough or able anymore to do what he needed to do. So he couldn't... Yeah. Um, he just He just wore down. Right, exactly. And, like, Pangborn's still here, but he's getting worn down, too. I don't know who... I mean, Pangborn looks super like he's just, you know, been ridden hard and put away wet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's looking rough. He needs he needs a rest, too. But Lacey's like, you know, he said um, evil outlasted him, and at least... Castle Rock has another protector, even in the dark of the night. And I'm like, I wonder what the dark of the night is. Is that just an allegory for how tough it's going to be? And, you know, or is that like some sort of incarnation cult prophecy? Like when the night comes or what have you? It's, I mean, I'm sticking with Pangborn as Gunslinger and uh, a series of books that... I am very confident that you've never read. I'm gonna. I have it. read the first book in the the Dark Towers. In the Dark Towers, but these. But I haven't gotten to. Is Gunslinger the comic books or? The Gunslinger was the first book. It's one of the first books that that King ever read. He uh, wrote rather. He wrote it in the 70s. And the best. Yeah. I mean, the best line he ever wrote was "The Man in Black fled across the desert, and the Gunslinger followed." They'll never be. That's one of the best lines ever written in all of writingdom. And right. writingdom. That's why I'm not in writingdom because I made up that word. So that that was the first one, and some of it was self indulgent and everything like that. But uh -huh. the the concept of shared universe, King had it. He had it from the jump. He always referred mm -hmm. to stuff. Yeah, you, you know, he always dropped things that like would would fill up days of comic book rag sites going, you'll never guess the five things you noticed in this movie that, you know, Easter egg, blah, 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 everything. King was doing that from, from the beginning. Now, the idea of the tower, the, the overall, without spoiling anything, because uh -huh. you'll get, you'll get through them. And I, and, and I kind of have a feeling for who you're really going to like and, and not like, and what's going to make you sad, etc. the, Mm -hmm. The idea that in the gunslinger, when Jake says, go then, there are other worlds than these. The idea that all these worlds revolve around and the tower is the one thing that's through the middle of it. And it's not like Discworld, but it kind of is like Discworld in that the tower, every world is another floor of the tower, etc. Mm -hmm. There were these books a million years ago that 
I read when I was a little kid. The author's name was Michael Moorcock, which always made me chuckle. <laughs> um, but it was about this this concept that it was this guy named Elric, and he was an albino, and he was super super like he was a king, but he was super wimpy, like he didn't have any blood or you know. And he got this sword, and every time he killed somebody with the sword, he got the energy of the person that he killed. So that was like perfect for him. Like Highlander, kind of. Yeah, kind of, yeah, and kind of. and kind of like the that that character in uh, Suicide Squad. The like, oh, it contains the souls instead of just containing the souls of the people it killed. It literally, like, if he killed Arnold Schwarzenegger for a while, he'd be as strong as Arnold Schwarzenegger was because it it took their life force out. And the more people he killed, the stronger he got. So he was kind of making himself a superhero. All that aside, at a certain point during the series of books, he meets this other guy named Corum. Corum, the concept was the eternal champion. And the fact that Corum was the same guy, but from another mm-hmm. world. I'm the you of this world, and my name's not Elric. It's Corum, and instead of being an albino, I only got one hand and one eye, but I'm still the person. And the gunslingers like that feel like that to me. Like, it's not always going to be Roland. Pangborn could be this version, and I don't know if it's, you know, Earth Prime or whatever it is. Pangborn being a gunslinger, I think, is going to matter more and more and more because the gunslingers the one thing above all else they represent the white that's that is what they are and they're knights and so him saying in the darkest night and everything like that you can read all the ways you want into it the only one that's left to fight it is pangborn which makes Mm -hmm. me wonder again is henry the good guy or the bad guy right dude this is getting this is getting insane um it also makes you think of, like, are the kid and Henry the dark and light versions of, like, the same person or entity or something like that? I don't want to be literal with skin color or be, like, black is evil, white yeah, is yeah, good, because yeah. that's, that's not what I mean. I just mean, like, are they connected somehow? And then you mentioned, like, the white and the night and all of it's, that stuff. And... There's got to be... the The fulcrum of the whole thing... The easy way to think of it is, okay, then it's uh, Lacey and Deaver on the same side against the kid and whoever is on the kid's side, which the only person that... We still don't know. Yeah, or the only person that would have made sense, at least right now, is uh, Henry's father, because there's got to be some reason Molly killed him. And if Molly can see stuff, and if Molly knows stuff, was she killing him to save right henry or to I mean, save everybody show me a good guy cult leader and i will show you a liar i mean <laughs> there's just there's no such thing as a good cult leader until me i would be the most benevolent cult leader ever except for us and the cult yes. of the castle rock we, yes. we are ben- we are benevolent cult leaders and we only need a little bit of your blood that's you know, a little bit and just a uh, tiny bit. And when it's not AA meetings or that book club, we're printing up flyers mm-hmm. about our cult and we'll be happy yeah. to send you some. The code phrase is, do you hear it now? The code answer is the monstrous howling. Yes, that's it. Anyone if that says a... the monstrous howling on Twitter uh-huh. is going to win a picture of Hannah's hat. <laughs> da, da, da. Hey, I will buy like. $50 store hats and slap 50 name tag labels that say I survived Castle Rock and all I got was this dumb podcast. I, I will do that. that, that you know, that's a prize, It is folks. in my power. Oh, it's... man, now I have to be, I have to reel myself back in. Usually yeah. I'm, I'm reeling Acadia, but. Yep, too late. Mer- merchandising you, cults, you're whatever. Written, you're writing checks now, Selector. So, that's... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, so my last note from the from before the recap notes mm-hmm. is that the kid is clearly expecting Henry to know what he's talking about, but Henry doesn't. I think this confirms that the memory loss is real. Now, whether or not that's a good or bad thing, I just think that for me personally, that confirmed that the memory loss is real. Yeah. 
that he he definitely oh and all the awkward interactions with molly i think he really doesn't remember anything from before he was 11 except random snippets of imagery that you know we've seen in flashbacks and whatever so yeah, that and he probably that's, that's my out. opinion i believe it i agree yeah and i think he had probably like mentally blacked out the part where the greasy haired neighbor girl knew when he was whacking it because that's not good for you your brain that was gross (laughs) when you're a kid (laughs) so then what do we see from a what do we want to see or what do you want to see from an episode four and what do you think like in terms of the story i mean because of course we want we want answers to all the questions but understanding that it's a tv show and it has to bring us on a trip with it and keep us engaged and everything like that what do you think hannah is going to be happening when we're doing this exact same thing 24 hours from now with our hot take yeah i figure they gotta answer why there's so much tension between henry and pangborn that seems important um uh let's see what else do i want to know i want to know when henry's mom lost her memory or like is this a result of like dementia or is it something related to everything that's going on is it just an illness or is it more than it seems gotcha right right is Mm -hmm. it linked somehow to everything and i gotta know what the actual nature of the connection between molly and henry is it's clear that their psychic connection is stronger why is that she hears him louder he affects her more um but it seems you know, to be bouncing what? off him. Unless he's super, yeah. super cagey, he does not seem right. to have any right. mystical he anything. He can't hear her thoughts or anything. It's just that she, for whatever reason, can hear his so much more loudly. Is that because he's some sort of supernatural being? Like a super transmitter? Even if he's not a yeah, receiver? Yeah, or like his thoughts are more powerful or something like that. Because of, of what his nature is. Um, and I was thinking, at like, when we had gotten done with our recap of the first three episodes, I was thinking that maybe he was the only one whose voice she heard so clearly. But actually, there was a part in one of the episodes where she, like, heard the teenager calling her a MILF, but he never said it out loud, and she corrected him about something, and she does hear Oh, I thought she, he thoughts. did say it out loud. Oh, that's great. No. Yeah, yeah you have to so be a mother to be a MILF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she does hear other people's thoughts, but I also thought it was interesting that she doesn't seem to be hearing every time what Henry's thinking right then. Right. It seems to be kind of, like, random, almost. Or Except active. that at the news... Yeah. I don't know. Like, if she can turn it on. I mean, well, we know she medicates to turn it off because it's not like she's... Uh, I don't know if you saw... Did you see Man of Steel? The, the... No, I don't think so. So when, when they redid, when they rebooted Superman, one of, the, one of the great scenes was since, you know, he was just little Clark Kent in school, then all of a sudden his super hearing kind of kicked in and he mm-hmm. could hear everything. Like everything all at once. And his mom had to come and get him because all of a sudden he could see through people and he like had no idea what was happening to him. You know, imagine puberty, but you could destroy the planet. So it it was, it's that kind of thing. Jumping off of that. Yeah. Right. It doesn't seem like Molly had, you would think if she had all of this trouble her whole life that she would have been diagnosed as like mentally ill. Maybe it started with puberty when she, or coming of age in some way because it seemed like I don't know maybe it was just all that awkward talking she was doing with the masturbation thing and whatever I don't know that it could it's be related. could have been the hair too <laughs> the greasy hair is so bad it's so awful <laughs> wash your hair um, get a new pillowcase yeah seriously okay well, uh... we covered the little figurine then we covered blah 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 I would like. I want to know what the dog is. Yep, the dog is yeah. the dog is a very important piece, but I don't think we're going to find out about the dog for a while. Because not only do we have to deal with things that, and yeah. this just this second occurred to me and made me happy and also sad. Because not only we're we going to have to deal with the questions that we're talking about right now, 
-hmm. we are somehow just pretending are going to be answered this season. The odds that these questions are all going to be answered within these first 10 episodes are approximately zero. And we're going to be lucky to get like half of a half of what we want. And I think especially, especially tomorrow, they are going to introduce another... I don't I don't want to say like faction but some kind of character arc because like I said I I think I mentioned it last uh, last week or last episode there aren't enough characters yeah. to keep a show oh, this size going. We got to know more about Jackie cuz she's clearly a feature. She goes to the Church of the Incarnation but she doesn't strike me as a cult member. She almost strikes me as somebody who's positioned herself to find out more about this central Castle Rock mystery. She's purposely connected herself to Molly. She's purposely connected herself to this church. She's purposely connected herself to Henry. And I guess we don't really know if she's from Castle Rock or not. Nope. Except that she sort of talked about Halloween and did Jackie talk Henry about Beaver it when they were kids. Well, she said that. Oh yeah, she said the thing about the yeah 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 dressing up as Henry Deaver. So I don't know if that meant her and her friends or if she just heard about that. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know if she's grown up in Castle Rock or if she moved there. Like what her deal is, because she's clearly meant to be important. Also, I think. Remember, I I was like, what are they going to do? They've already blown it because they let the kid out of the jail. Well, first they let him out of the cage. Then they let him into the sun. The, the thing that I realize now, where is he going to go? Well, he's probably going to go to Juniper Mm. Hills Mm. because Juniper Hills is the, the Arkham Asylum, as it were of the Stephen King world. And it would make a lot of sense if that's where he went because they can't let him out on his own recognizance. They're going to have to send him somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. So Hmm. that seems like it, since that's the big mental hospital and that's where, like, Henry Bowers from It went and and everything like Mm -hmm. that, it would make, that would actually make super sense that they'd say, okay, well, yeah, congratulations, you're out of jail. Obviously, you're crazy, and you're going to end up in Juniper Hills because all you do is either say your lawyer's name or ask loony questions, and you don't seem to know what money is or how food works. So, none right. Of these. Oh, the food thing. I had a, I had a, a, what I thought was a mildly brilliant, but now that I'm going back to it, is really just kind of standard insight, but... <laughs> So all the all the kids You don't know where the bar is, Hannah Selector. Well, you don't... It's, it's it's my personal bar. Fine. Um at the at the moment I was like poking Jason and being like, "Hey, hey, 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 hey." But now I'm kind of like, "Eh, this is sort of dumb." But there's clearly a lot of like Christianity and religious imagery in this show, and so I was thinking about Reed the kid only eating bread. In the Bible, it says, "Man cannot live on bread alone." Bread alone. But what if someone who is not a man or is the devil or is a devil or some sort of creature could live on bread alone? Oh, that's mm-hmm. not. Hey. Maybe an indication that the kid is not human, even though we've gotten plenty of other indications that he's not human. I think that's probably super true. I don't yeah. think he's human at all, because if he were, right. he would have been less than a baby when he started out in the cage. Right. He was in the cage for 30 years. I don't even think he's 30 years yeah. old now. No, I don't think so either. I think he's kind of just stayed the same in some capacity. Maybe um, maybe he's a man. Maybe he's your wish incarnate since it's Philly Skies. It's the opposite of it. It yeah. just gives you the thing that you, you're like least scared of. <laughs> By the way, there have been some pretty heated discussions on Reddit about whether the kid is like an incarnation of Pennywise. And I'm putting my foot down and I think that's dumb. I, so I there think you that's go. Really dumb. It's too obvious. It makes no sense. And just because Bill Skarsgård played Pennywise doesn't mean that Stephen King is going to do something so overtly ridiculous right. as to be like, 
haha, he's still Pennywise. And it, I just think that I'm just going to go ahead and reject that theory. Yeah. Most people did too, and I kind of felt bad for the OPs of that stuff. I mean, um, but I would be sweet about it, but it's sort of a basic misunderstanding about what it is. It isn't a guy wearing a clown. Oh, I'm going to scare everybody by dressing up as this clown. It's it's sort of the manifestation of evil that can be anything. And it chooses to be a clown because that scares people a lot. But it's going to be whatever scares you the most. So, nah. I just think the kid's getting work. And good for him. Right. Not like his brother anymore. His super handsome brother from True Blood. I think he's prettier than his brother. But whatever. Oh, no. His, his brother was Tazan, though. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, good for the um, Scarsbard boys. Another, like, slightly random thing. In the third episode, when a uh, bandaged priest guy or whatever shows up, he says, my lord saved me instead of the lord, which I think is interesting, because, like, God is sort of a universal figure in churches, but, you know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, now, I think, unless you have any more bombs that you want to be throwing, which you might possibly have, because you did have quite a quite a collection of them this this episode. This, whatever it is, the the shambling through the stacks as it were Mm -hmm. we've set the tape my the thing i i want to see juniper hills and i want to see another set of people that we're going to be able to interact with that have something to do with the town because what we haven't the trope we have not had yet is the person from the town that knows everything it's either yeah. the old guy that runs the gas station or, you know, right. the old librarian or something like that. And there's always mm-hmm. one. And I don't know who it's going to be, but there has to be one person that does some exposition that sort of fills in. Because one would think if Lacey had been keeping the evil back for the last 30 years, why is the town still a shithole? <laughs> like, I, what if Pangborn is that guy I was thinking to myself, what if he knew what Henry's father had planned and that's why he went looking by himself or why he knew to go looking in that particular spot or something like that and why he went alone. He seems to know more than he's letting on about a lot of stuff. Agreed. We still don't know who pushed the father off the cliff, why, why the father was out there, what are they supposed to be hearing so many things so now tomorrow the show is gonna drop and we're gonna do listen uh we also don't have a a name for the people that listen to the show other than you know relatives no we actually have people that listen to the show that we didn't even know who they were until they started listening to the show and we are happy to talk to you on twitter or email or any medium that you want because we love talking about the show we're going to do something different now that a show is actually coming out in, in I guess, what would say a traditional manner. We are going to give, and I hate the term hot take, but I don't know what else to call it yet because we, we're not good at naming any of our things. But it, we're going to do a quick, and I mean not Hannah and Acadia's version of quick, I mean everybody's version of quick like a super quick take on omg this happened this happened what are the things that you're going to be most interested in discussing in the regular episode is that a fair way to describe it like i think so yeah because i don't want to i can't be i can't be busting i at the seams trying to talk about this stuff and and not having a vehicle to at least blurt some stuff out and then rather than have the rest of the like week be a bunch of people saying how stupid I am that I miss stuff then I'm going to watch it again and we will have a reasoned discussion about the entire thing like the learned scholars that we are yep that's what you have to look forward to folks you're going to get this episode in like a minute then after we watch it tomorrow night which will be August 1st 
We're going to give a quick take on what we saw, and then we're going to do our regular deep dive, which is going to probably come out. You know, maybe we should just put it out on Friday. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Good. I think so. Yeah. Then people can, you know, you get stuff to do on the weekend. You can yeah. listen to the show. So that's well, you how run on the treadmill it. or mow your lawn. That's whatever right. Whatever people do on the weekends. That's whatever requires headphones. Let us in your heads, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And send us your observations or any doys that we made and tell us what you think of all of our crazy theories. Yeah, and tell us what you think the lights are. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah. And tell me if anybody else saw that stuff and mm. sees pupils there yeah it's gonna be screenshot city i'm gonna have to be making gifts of things and what man i make a lot of work for myself out of this but it's so fun and oh i'm not gonna reveal what it is because i'm not sure if it's gonna work but the possibility exists my friends that we are gonna be able to blow you away with our dare i call it a virtual murder board Ooh, yeah, yeah. We're going to start trying to link some up. Yeah. And it, the way this thing works is super neat. And if I can get it put together in a way that makes sense for us and I can still remain gainfully employed because I haven't, which would mean that I have enough time to do all these things, then gosh darn it, you're going to have a link to go to next show that is just going to freak you out. Woo! That's my goal. So that's it, I think. Unless uh, Hannah, did I did I miss anything from the last of this notebook? I'm going to be sad to see this notebook okay. go. Real, real quick rundown from here. What else did I write? Oh, there was a date on the VHS tape, November twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, was the date on the VHS tape that Henry burned. I noticed that. Let's see here. Can't be the Christmas. Henry was kidding. Yeah, yeah. Henry went missing on 1-9-1991, which I thought was weird. I'm not, like, trying to get into numerology here, but 1-9-1991 is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is weird. As, as a date. Um, let's see here. The gazebo reference. Church of the Incarnation. Oh, there was that thing with her breath, that uh, with Molly's breath in the flashback that she was... She was cold or whatever. Right. Um, I had read on, someone had posted a theory somewhere, I think it was again on the Reddit board that I'm stalking, that it was because she has that connection with Henry where she can feel what he feels and he's out in the forest or whatever. I think we sort of talked about that, but that would be interesting. Um, but it seems like when he's in Texas, she's not like connected with him. So is it proximity based, meaning he wasn't that far away or what's what's the deal with that? That seems like it would be... It would be reasonable to assume that it would be, you know, physical distance would, would matter unless you're as strong as, say, Danny Torrance. And when he really needed Dick Halloran, he screamed all the way to Florida. Yeah. That was... But so. Danny was like the king of what would become oh you know what this is so great because since you haven't read the dark tower books yeah you don't even know you don't even know the significance of people who shine okay in the greater scheme of the dark tower books there's a bad guy Mm -hmm. flag is in it flag from the stand the ageless stranger the walking dude etc but Mm -hmm. one of the things that they do to try and basically knock the tower down is use people Uh that they call breakers and the breakers are people who shine Hmm. so they steal them from our world and bring them to mid-world so that Ah. they can attack the 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 beams that are holding up the tower because they have the psychic power to do it is that where they took henry I didn't think of that until just now, but potentially, I mean, there are, because it's the King universe, there are places that he could have been taken that would not have given him frostbite, but would have wiped out his memory. Yeah. The only other two things I noticed was that when Henry went to the bluff, when he came back to Castle Rock, his younger version, his younger self was watching him Yep. for a second. I don't know what that's all about. 
are there two Henry Deavers from these different worlds that you're talking and about? Overlapping. Yeah, or the wrong one got sent back, or something like that. One who wasn't evil, like the previous oh. one. So you, you think know? they may have done a little trade-in? I don't know. Oh lordy! Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Go for it. You got one more thing. I did. This one's less important. I was just looking at the the weird dog corpse in the second episode, and um, it looks like it has like bite wounds on it. Really? Did it? Did it? Yeah, kinda. Did it get in a fight with the other dog? Oh, you know? with the big flopper? No, he's good. I mean, I'm I'm sure the the big fluffer. Well, he might not be, but maybe he is because Lacey doesn't seem good, and he did something to him. True. So. Hmm. All right, there's a lot to think about. A lot. There is. You know what? But it's cool. I love this show. I love, and I mean Castle Rock and the Castle Rock Historical Society. I think this is a hoot. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We are up very late, and it's a school night. So uh, you can look forward to getting this episode to Mari. I'm going to do it as fast as fast can be. And full disclosure... If it does not sound as super polished as some of our other episodes, it's because if I spend the next five hours editing it, then I will have to go directly to work. And I don't think I can do that. Right. That would be bad. And we kind of agreed at the beginning that this was just going to be like a fun conversation. You know, we're going to try to keep it from being too too planned and polished. That's how you end up with three week gaps between episodes like on undead airlock. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is we let you into the basement and because it's the first time we're going to let you out. No promises next time, but be on your best behavior and watch Mm -hmm. out for cobwebs on your way up. If you would like to contact us again, it's castle rock historical at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet at me or Acadia individually, I'm at Hannah selector. And he is at Acadia. Yep. It's easy to remember. It's just what we call ourselves. That is us. And you are you. And we are thrilled to be doing this. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. This shit stops now!